Hello, Cyberpunks. I'm your host, Lupus, and welcome to our Cyberpunk podcast, where we discuss various cyberpunk media. With me today, we have Barry. Apparently the asshole today. <laughs> uh, Grim. Hello. Randy. Hello. Chip up in Jack and Chumba. We got a large info file for you to download. Mm-hmm. Sammy, who is currently muted, but listening. Yeah, I'm here. Thank you. Thank you. And Tilly. Howdy. So today, we're going to discuss Star Wars. Nah, just kidding. We're, we're discussing Cyberpunk 2020. Although, with um, how Barry titles this, you'll probably understand that beforehand. So we're discussing Cyberpunk 2020. The role-playing game of the dark future, preceded by our preceding red and succeeding uh, 2013, Cyberpunk 2020 came out in 1990 with updated versions uh, releasing in 1991, 1993, and 2013. It was created by Mike Pondsmith. Now this episode, Mike Pondsmith. Yes. This episode's going to be a bit different, as it'll mostly dis- be a uh, discussion on the game and our experiences with it. Uh, as I told Barry before recording, we're not going to have a spoiler warning this episode, as it's a tabletop RPG and everyone has different experiences. Mm-hmm. But our summary is as follows, and this is mostly just a little history for you guys. Uh, with 2020's updated setting came new world events, technology, and characters, as well as greatly expanding the existing world. The setting of Night City became a real world rather than the ambiguous near-future city of uh, 2013, and many of the corporations received fully fleshed-out histories and names for high-level members. The 2020 rulebook included almost everything from the first edition, uh, from the character roles to the Never Fade Away adventure with Johnny Silverhand. After the widespread publication of the book, the first edition, uh, 2013, became obsolete and 2020 took its place as the primary way to play the game. A quick fun fact before we get into our discussion. Night City's map and layout are based loosely on the city of Morro Bay, California. And you can thank uh, Randy for that one. Yep. Can't remember now, where I read it, but that's true. Now, let's get into our discussion. Uh, and this is just my personal opinion here. This isn't exactly proven by any means, but... Uh, having created characters in both 2020 and Red, I feel like you can compare 2020 to 5e and Red, or 2020 to 3.5. I apologize, and Red to 5e. And yeah. for those of you that don't understand the numbers I just said, those are Dungeons and Dragons editions. I would almost say it's closer to comparing 2e to 3e. Really? Yeah. Because. It's possible. I never 2E, played 2E. 2E was very number fiddly. Yeah, yeah, it was. 
And when they went to 3E, they simplified a lot of systems, and Red feels a lot more simplified. Like they went from low AC is good to high AC is good. That's, but that's not even what I'm talking about. They simplified. In Sui, you rolled a stat, and then you had a whole bunch of numbers that what that stat could do. Mm-hmm. Whereas in 3.5, it's just like a plus one, plus two, plus three, mm-hmm. etc. It They made that simple. Yeah. And a lot of things that were very fiddly in 2020. And mind you, sometimes I like the fiddly were made simplified. Uh, concealability rules for weapons, for example, yeah. are now concealable or not, rather than concealability in jacket or long coat or not. Like in uh, 2E and also in 2020, you needed to roll your die and then look at the table or whatever to figure out what you got, as opposed to in Red and in 3rd uh, Edition, you could already go into the roll knowing what your plus was, and then as soon as you just do the math of uh, uh, modify your number with what you roll, it's easy, it's instant. There were a lot of plus and minus bonuses in 2020 that simply don't exist in 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 red. Yeah. I mean, it still boils down to stat skill plus a d10. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the interlock system. But there's other things in oh. 2020 that aren't in red, like the, uh, oh, you got hit, roll to see where. Oh, yeah, the damage <laughs> system is definitely simplified. <laughs> No more of this. What? That limb took eight points of damage? Well, it's gone. <laughs> Which is something that most players that have only played Dungeons and Dragons are going to have to get used to. Mm-hmm. What do you mean I don't have that army? I mean, that was that was my first experience with Cyberpunk, by the way. Um, <laughs> my, my GM decided to um, make a campaign based on Ghost in the Shell. Oh, lovely. Um, and at the end of the campaign, um, we're sitting behind like a warehouse divider firing at this gigantic spider mech, and it just hoses out with an auto, you know, with, with an auto cannon and blows through my, through what I was using for cover, through my flak pants, and blew off my leg. Ah. So typical Tuesday night. Yeah. <laughs> After that, my, my, my basic rule was if you even think there's going to be combat, you're in Metal Gear to live. <laughs> yeah. My first character was, um, I forget the name of the character, uh, but somebody gave me a pre-done character. He had a cyber liver. He was a real drunkard. Oh, yeah. That was Turner. That was the med tech. That we right, had. right. Yeah. <laughs> A drunkard in one of our campaigns? <laughs> Never. Oddly enough, I just mentioned <laughs> that character the other day to our GM, Bob. Uh, Bob's been my GM since 1996, I should mention this. Um, he, was head, he was the head of the uh, Madison Area Technical College role-playing games club when I joined in 96, mm. and we kept in touch after we left college. He's been running my Saturday night game since 2003. So. That sounds like fun. But between 96 and 99, we had a Friday night cyberpunk game that went forever. (laughs) Well, the closest thing to cyberpunk that I've done was Rifts. 
That was literally the first game I played. Yeah, we did Rifts too. Mind you, Cyberpunk was an ongoing thing for us because this is the reason I failed college. <laughs> we would, I believe it. We would, we would, uh, we would come down to the calf for lunch. Yep. And I would be sitting there eating whatever was on the calf that day, drinking a surge, and going, "Bob, I'm bored. Run some Cyberpunk." <laughs> and he's like, "Okay." And before we knew it, it was the end of the day. Yeah, that's about right. And uh, also kind of on topic, but more uh, a tangential connection is I do remember playing at least three games of Netrunner in the cafeteria. Oh, yeah. Yeah. When Netrunner came out, we were we were big into it. (laughs) Never never played any board games in the cafeteria. It was a card game. Yeah. Or card games. Yeah, it was basically a card game that was... uh, a card game version of a net run from Cyberpunk. The simple version is it's magic but asymmetrical. It's Corp versus Netrunner. Yeah. And they even had rules to use it instead of the net running rules in 2020. Yeah. But uh um so yeah, we had this longest campaign and Turner was an NPC in it. We gave him to Barry at one point <laughs> a few days ago. He talked about uh, he talked about how his brain was pickled, <laughs> and I said, "Oh, really? Really getting to you, huh, Turner?" He couldn't remember the character until I said, "So replaced your cyber liver recently." <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! I still have that sheet around here somewhere. You do? Well, that's what he said. <laughs> he has a lot better organization system than I do. Yeah, because he's got a I've lot moved of big like six times since then. That too. Yeah, my cyber night is long gone. <laughs> I might have a copy of my character from that, like somewhere in my archive. <laughs> I wanted, I wanted to have him um, put behind glass and hung on the wall, but <laughs> I still have all my character sheets from all my years of gaming. I can see the binder with them right now. Yeah, unfortunately, mine have been destroyed a few times. Oh, that's because sucks. crappy move. I've had a few crappy moves, mm-hmm. including the one I had to move on negative nine hours notice. So yeah. I'm actually surprised that my uh, MTG collection uh, survived com- completely intact from my last move. Mm. Uh. But Cyberpunk. So, you know, it's hard for me to talk about Cyberpunk 2020 without talking about the original mm. 2013 because it was such a weird left turn for the company. Um, Pondsmith started working on tabletop RPGs, making a, a homebrew version of Traveler, which he never published. But then he went on to make a game called Mechton, which was entirely based on the Mobile Suit Gundam manga, even though he couldn't read a word of it. (laughs) He just bought the untranslated Japanese manga somewhere and built the entire game based on the visuals from the artwork. Nice. Now, that's some talent. Mm -hmm. Um... And it, the first one he made didn't really have any role-playing elements. It was basically just a, um, a minis game. Mm. Um, but 
he then turned around, borrowed some money by a man whose last name was Talsorian, and founded our Talsorian Games. And then came out with a second edition of it as uh, more of an RPG style. A few years later, he created another game called Teenagers from Outer Space, which was a generic anime role-playing game that was more humorous in style. It was based on things like Yurisi Yatsura and Ranma One Half, that kind of gag anime. And I believe it used the Tristat system? No, no. This oh, was predating Tristat system, okay. Barry. Uh, it is, however, the RPG that inspired Guardians Order to make Big Eye Small Mouth, which used the Tristat okay. system. Now, I know I've played Teenagers from Outer Space, but it's been like 15 years. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Bob and I got a copy of the book once, and we ran, I think, one game of it. Ah. <laughs> that um, good, huh? Well, at that point, uh, at that point, uh, Big Eye Small Mouth was out, so... yeah. And it basically made it even better. Mm. But for its time, uh, Teenage from Outer Space actually won awards. It won um, the RPGA Gamer's Choice Award at one point. Mm. Um, but at that same time, he made Mechton 2, which would have been the third edition of Mechton. And he created that using a system called the Interlock system, which is stat, skill, plus a D10. Mm. Um and then the game, the company goes entirely into left field because um, Pondsmith reads a book called Hardwired. <laughs> and that inspires him to make a cyberpunk role-playing game, which he bases off of that, Blade Runner, and things like Akira and Bubblegum Crisis. Probably more like Bubblegum Crisis at the time. Mm. Um, and that becomes Cyberpunk 2013, which for about a year was fairly popular. I mean, it, it got five or six supplements and a, at six issues of a, I think it was a bi-monthly magazine called Interface. And then he decides he needs to clean up the rules a bit um, and bring it out instead of a box set, which was what the original set was, he bring it out in book form and that became Cyberpunk 2020. And he published that in 1990, and it basically went for a decade full of just supplement after supplement after supplement. Good supplements. Oh, yeah. God, yes. I mean, there Very were good. Chromebooks, which were sub- which was style, cyberware, flash gear, all the cool stuff that you just wanted to collect because it was because it looked good. Yeah. Uh, and the better it looks, was, the better your uh, grooming and uh, grooming and style? Not always. Some of it was just, you know, flashy. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, I remember I, I crawled through those books when I made my solo <laughs> that he, he, he basically was at Terminator levels of power. Um, but um, they also made... Which four- Terminator? Not really the point. <laughs> at that point, we uh, at that point it was just T. It was just Terminator and Terminator Two. So, yeah. take oh, okay. Um, oddly, my solo was actually based on Snake Plissken from Escape from L.A., but <laughs> mostly because that one had a more cyberpunky feel than Escape from New York. Yeah. Um. But. He had four corporation report books, each detailing two corporations 
So he gave you full disclosure on eight corporations in the cyberpunk universe. He gave you um, source guide to the UK, uh, source guide to Europe, source guide to Asia, um, all of which were great fluff and substance books. Um, but near the end of the 90s, he was working on his magnum opus, which was going to be a four-part, a four part, fourth corporate war set uh, called the Firestorm series. My favorite to, series. They were going to be Firestorm, Stormfront, Firestorm, Shockwave, um, Firestorm. Um, there were four. I know this because they eventually reduced it to three, and I think only two got published. Um, Stormfront. Oh, I can't remember one of them because it was Stormfront. The ones that eventually were released, one of which I think was not physically released, was Stormfront, Shockwave, and Aftershock. Mm. Um, and these were these were the big magnum opus to the 2020 series. Um, but around this time, um, Cyberpunk had always the the company had always limped along by its cyberpunk, and it had some competitors. Um, it had GURP Cyberpunk, which was not really that big of a worry because uh, it really just meant you made it big in the role-playing world when Steve Jackson cribs one of your settings. <laughs> um, but, the, but its big competitor was Shadowrun, which was done by a company called FASA, which was a much bigger company. And it wasn't long into Shadowrun's run before we started seeing things like Shadowrun video games and stuff. So it was the big brother to, or it was the little brother to Shadowrun's big brother international fame. Mm. I had I had I had been a Shadowrun GM since uh, 1989. I had never heard of Cyberpunk until 1996. Once I played it, I became addicted scum because it was a lot easier to deal with, and I liked the fact that the setting didn't have things like elves and magic. Yeah, you no longer have to deal with the fantasy aspect. Correct. That's the thing. It's uh, Shadow runs a hybrid system. It's one part cyberpunk, one part urban fantasy. I didn't like the urban fantasy. I wanted pure cyberpunk, and cyberpunk gives that to you on a platter. And okay, before, fair points. before we get too far into the discussion, I'd just like to uh, say welcome to Wes, who decided to join us. Decided to grace us with your presence. Yeah, I had free time. Yeah. So go ahead and get back to what you were talking about. I was just... Um, making sure we acknowledged it. But, right. yeah, so getting around 98, 99, Sorian started to either hit financial issues or Mike Pondsmith started to burn big time. He started to burn out. Because suddenly the books started to get pushed back and pushed back and pushed back. Um, we know that he was actively working on Cyberpunk version 3 as early as the mid-90s. Um, 
and that might be part of the reason for the delay. Uh, version 3 didn't get released until, I think, about 2005, 2006. And it literally is a book that nobody talks about. Um, just to confirm you on that one, it was 2005. I, I, somewhere in there, I knew that. I, 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 I repress Cyberpunk version 3 as much as humanly possible. I don't blame you. <laughs> I don't think any of us blame you. Uh, has the topic of, uh, and I don't know if this is a, a true statement or not, but um, wasn't at one point uh, the Cyberpunk games, uh, the at least the tabletop stuff, the uh, hacking, uh, like the stuff that they were doing for like the hacking and all that, it was getting so close to like actually being real. And as like close to life as possible, that like the FBI or CIA came in and took their computer stuff. And not that uh, I'm aware of. I heard that somewhere. And to be honest, the net running rules for 2020 are not the greatest. Um. It's they've and you know it's always been an issue, um, because a lot of it was um, descriptive on how the netrunner sees it. Um, none of it was really actually close to reality because it was um, um, this fictional version of the future net, which was nowhere near close to what it was like. Um, but I do remember the fact that you would play a game and we're in here, but we need the net runner to get access to the, to this system or this stuff. Okay. The net runner rolls a rush initiative. Yeah. The rest of us are going to take this time to go for pizza. <laughs> in fact, we'll get back to you next week, Bob, because we know this is going to take the rest. The night. And I feel like that's something that um, Red has actually done well on incorporating the Netrunner into the actual gameplay. Red has improved that, yes. Um, Some people still think it's bad in Red. They still say it's time-consuming and Netrunners skim more actions so the gameplay is slow. I disagree because, oh. I mean, activate program, activate program, move. Dumb. Yeah, it's it. They, they they do get more actions, but anybody that says it's still slow and clunky needs to go back and play twenty twenty. Yeah, which is where I come in because that was my first character. The first character I ever made twenty twenty was a netrunner. <laughs> I can attest to this because the first one that I know of that you made was a netrunner for my campaign. Yes. <laughs> And, I mean, I took on the challenge of playing a game inside of a game. <laughs> and, then was, and then decided my character's just going to be a program. <laughs> <laughs> now, weren't the netrunning rules in 2020 such that the netrunner gets, like, ten turns for every one turn everyone else gets? Pretty much the netrunner moves 50 times faster than people while in the net. So, yeah, yeah, that was uh, it, it's a, a complete offset. Yeah, Welcome, Mathador. 
Thank you. Sorry for running late. Bye. Huh? Yeah, run an hour of stuff for the Netrunner, then go to everybody for uh, their 30 seconds of input, and then go back to the Netrunner for an hour. It's, like, not even fair. Yeah, like I said, it was, oh, the Netrunner has to do this. Oh, well, I guess we're done for the night. <laughs> um, Bob did his best to try to have the Netrunner do all of his stuff in private session between main sessions. Mm-hmm. It was not always successful, but it didn't help because the rest of the time the Netrunner felt like he wasn't doing anything. Yeah. This is why when I ran campaigns, I usually only allowed Netrunners as NPCs. Mm. Because I could simplify it to roll dice. Oh, he made it. <laughs> nice. Randy, I have bad news for you. <laughs> <laughs> the character I made was a Netrunner. discussing characters uh from a campaign specifically at the moment or what's the what's going on we're just discussing and recording it for the podcast so yeah that is i made a never (laughs) but it's fine it's fine i'll I'll make it work i'll I'll just not net run (laughs) <laughs> we'll, we'll see how long it is until Netwatch goes and kicks your ass. <laughs> if I, I can ever catch like to do it. Is that uh, not to be confused with Shadow of the Beanstalk, which is I mean, the is uh, Fantasy Flight Games setting? No, which was that? Not to get confused with Shadow of the Beanstalk, that is the uh, Fantasy Flight Games Genesis setting. I think it's in the Netrunner. Mm. As opposed to a net runner, it is literally I think called the net runner. Mm. If if memory serves. Yeah, well, our Talsorian did it first, starting in 1988. So. Mm. Oh no, I'm aware. I think that they could have probably come up with a more unique name instead of just calling it that. <laughs> well, it, it's funny um, because, like I mentioned, we mentioned earlier, originally Cyberpunk had a card game come out called Netrunner. Yeah. And that has that, been bought by another about. company and turned into its own universe. Mm-hmm. Yep, nope, that's what I'm talking about exactly. That's, that's yeah. the one from Fantasy Flight Games. Yeah, and originally that was an Artel Saurian publication, or I think it was a Wizards of the Coast in license with Artel Saurian. Yeah. Oh. It was Wizards uh, of the hey. Coast with license, yeah. I, I actually remember that. Uh, that was, wow. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I think I saw I still... like the second or third edition of it in the early 90s. I, I still I have my original one. Netrunner deck somewhere in this armoire next to me. <laughs> so, yeah, not to be... I got um, version scans, but I don't have the original anymore. Not to get off topic here, Netrunner is an out-of-print collectible card game designed by Richard Garfield, the creator of Magic the Gathering. Ah. Uh, it was published by Wizards of the Coast and introduced in April of 1996. Mm. It took uh, place in the setting for... For the Cyberpunk 2020 role-playing game. Correct. But it also drew from the broader Cyberpunk genre. It also, like I mentioned earlier, had rules. It had had rules that said, hey, your net running is running too long in Cyberpunk 2020? Here, you can just turn it into a card game real quick. I think that was one of the smarter ideas they could have done, honestly. Yeah, that's what we did because we knew the net running was taking way too long. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
And then, like I said, it was eventually the the whole license for the game. Uh, Wizards eventually sold it to Fantasy Flight, who then basically made it into its own universe, which made me sad. Yeah. Yep. Whereas I do like some of the elements that they brought into it. I have the campaign setting for Shadow of the Beanstalk, which is the Genesis RPG version of it. I do prefer the original card game in terms of that. Yeah, and you know, I would get all these references that they had in the original. And I freaking loved it. Yeah, they also had like a board game, I think, if memory serves. Uh, it's I, I think I remember seeing it on their website at one point for Fantasy Flight Games. It wasn't um, really a board but... game. It was just like a, a um, it was still a card game. But it was like a preset deck of cards. Mm. Yes. Yeah, kind of like, uh, well, it's a different style to it, but uh, there's the Sentinels game. Fun Have you ever played that one? Uh, Sentinels fun. of the Multiverse? Fun yes. fact. Yeah, yes. Sentinels of the Multiverse, where it's like a preset deck. Yep, yep. I've, uh, I've played both the physical <laughs> and uh, online versions of that. Yeah, me too. Alright, fun fact. You can actually find the Netrunner Watsi um, starter double deck on eBay for about $70 to $80. I'm pretty sure I mine... Be, to the multiverse. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure so. I, I have more than just the starter deck because Bob and I were... We, Bob and I would go down to a local game shop would buy the entire pack of boosters for that. <laughs> and I mean, we would basically split them between the two of us and would open them all on the on one of the tables at MATC and then proceed to do active trading. <laughs> I've got three of these. Uh, how many you got? One. Okay, I'll trade you for that. Deal, you know. It, was, it works. I pretty much... Yep. I pretty much did the same thing with with, uh, with Magic the Gathering, so I understand. And then we would sit there. We had a, we had established our decks, and Bob would stop me. Um, <laughs> Why would he stop you? No, he would stomp me. S T O oh, stomp M. I missed the P. I missed the M. Yeah, I heard stop as well. So I'm, I'm sorry. I do have a bit of a cold. Okay. I got I've got my COVID I, I, shot the I other day. And apparently, one of my uh, side effects is having a really runny nose. So. Yeah. yeah normal. Yep. That's I'm surprised. I'm surprised you're. Yet, but... I'm surprised you're out of bed. Who said I am? <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, okay. That the first shot is in as bad as the second, and I'm getting the second on Saturday. I just looked. I still got a week. Hmm. I haven't even scheduled. Yeah. I haven't scheduled yet either. Even though I work in security, so I'm yeah. right next to people. Mine, mine was, uh, mine was I need to as a lifeguard, so... Mine was Tuesday. Aaron's was today. I got the I got part one of a two-parter. She got the, the, the all-in-one The J&J? Yeah. Johnson, right. uh, yeah, I ho I'm hoping I can find the Johnson & Johnson so I can get a one-and-done. Right. I would actually look for another one because it's uh, um, it's defense against getting slightly six a lot lower than the others. All right. Um, the others hit in the ninety-five percent, and that one only hits in the sixties. Yeah. 
So no, I'm actually, it doesn't worry in my area. Yeah, it That's doesn't worry me that much, actually. So. Mm. Anyway, cyberpunk. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, that discussion yes. we were having that I yes. apparently missed the beginning of. Netrunning and fixtures and solos and big booms. I have played nearly every class in Cyberpunk over the course of over the course of the last. Uh, oh, nearly every. Which one haven't you? Uh, I don't think I've ever played a corp correctly. Hmm. Correctly, so you've played a corp, but you played it incorrectly. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I made one once and never used it, actually. Ah. Fair. <laughs> I've never understood the purpose of media. Media can be I, useful. I'm the, kind of, I'm the kind of guy who, in most role-playing games, I will play solo games, and that's how I kind of learn the system. That's all I've ever done with Cyberpunk. I make lots of characters, tons of mm. characters over and over again, but never actually been in a game with it. I mean, my big, my major character in the 90s was a solo um, by the name of Shin, who uh, basically that was our three-year campaign. He was roughly based on Snake Plissken. Um, I, have al I also have a fixer um, that I've used. I was originally... A Shadowrun character that I then retooled into a cyberpunk character. And has been one of my <clears throat> one of my main avatars for years. I had him on Anarchy Online, I had him on City of Heroes. I've, oh, I've had him all right. I know what you're talking about. Which server? I have to ask which server is City Heroes since I was a big City of Heroes player for about six years. I was a big Virtue player. Yeah. Ah, same here, actually. Uh, and then when City of Villains came out, I, of course, did one of those right away, the Mastermind. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. That was, that, was, before that, came out. that was what he was, was a uh, um, a Merc's Mastermind. Mm. Okay. I've done that a couple times. That's a lot of fun. Uh, I think as I for characters. I, I I just went and looked down a list of careers, and I would just randomly roll dice to see which career I took, and then built a character around that concept, and uh, saw how they did. I I almost played it like Traveler, where you kind of see their life path, uh, career. And go through that way. Um, I've always been a big fan of seeing if they succeeded, failed. It helps build a better character starting. The yes. bane of my existence. <laughs> Bob well, it's, was it's actually a... the bane of most people's existence. When I've ever played Traveler, that's as far as we ever got, ever. Bob was a big fan of Life Path. <laughs> so he was the one that would scour the internet looking for the advanced life path rules. <laughs> oh, I have those. I have those on my computer. You can now oh find them on yep. the Trove. Yeah, those are fun. Yeah. Um, the thing is, life path was never good for me. Hmm. Never rolled well enough? No, my, my, the dice hated me when I rolled life path. <laughs> <laughs> I would maybe have one, I, he would make he'd make us roll the maximum times. I would maybe get one good thing, a bunch of enemies, 
Um, <laughs> At least two and deaths. And I wind up with a bunch of people hating me. And some debts. <laughs> and some debts. <laughs> my favorite thing is, no matter what my goal was, I would never achieve it. I would always have to settle for going into the military. Ah. <laughs> uh. But yeah, when but, you have to roll like eight different times for every year of your character's 15 years since starting life, it's like, oh my gosh, this this is this, this is a campaign tonight. Just rolling life path. <laughs> well, to, to be fair, one of the things I did when, when I was uh, making characters is I just wrote a program for it, <laughs> so I didn't have to. Uh, I just realized, like, okay, here's the table, and I developed the table for it, and said, okay, automatically roll these per year. So just said, here's your choices. And everything else was just rolled for you. Here it is. Here's the result. Uh, <laughs> I always liked that. I, I always liked the physicality of creating a character. It was always the dread when it came to life path. Because <laughs> Bob would, because Bob insisted on being present at life path roles. <laughs> of course. And yeah. would have the evil grin. <laughs> Well, yeah, whenever it's players, I would always have the book open, and I would let them roll it. Uh, but that was... I did that for almost all my campaigns, though. I mean, Dark Heresy, I did Life Path. That's not even something you normally have in the base game. I think There's one of the... There's a website called Dark Rain 40K, back when Dark Rain 40K was around that had that. Uh, Shadowrun, I even made one for that game. Using the D6s, just like in Traveler. Uh... Shadowrun, Shadowrun, I have kind of a love-hate relationship with Shadowrun. <laughs> Mostly, I hate the system. <laughs> Anything that eventually requires me to grab somewhere between 30 to 50 D6s <laughs> to have to try to roll, I'm not happy. Oh, really? Yeah, that, that could be really uh, interesting. I can pop out all my dice, because I have so many D6s, I'm just like waiting to pop them out. Mm-hmm. But I, I only have, I have a, I have a box of thirty six D sixes. I used to, I used to travel around with a briefcase that was filled with dice. Mm -hmm. I, I had six, something six close to a hundred D sixes. Yes, I, I have pretty close to that too. I'd actually have to count them at some point. Some of them are some size, some are different. I'll, I'll use them in a lot of different campaigns and even fudge dice. If I don't have fudge dice, I can use D sixes. I've I've since gone to a more sane, um, just bag of dice. Yeah. Um, I have no idea where that briefcase went, actually. Yeah. But uh, no. I have two bags of dice. I have Is it at least empty? Sorry, I have three bags of dice. I have one for World of Darkness stuff, one for Genesis. Uh, it also has the Star Wars one in a mini bag inside, and then the other one has all my regular polyhedral dice, including mm. fudge dice. In a smaller bag. So, unless I'm playing Genesis, I'll grab my big bag. If I play World of Darkness, I may grab that one because it's got the most defense. Um, but let's see. Um, Cyberpunk. I played a techie who eventually wound up being, uh, being revealed as being a spy spying on the group. For a rival corporation. That was kind of fun. Uh, oh, oh, I think you might have been there, Barry. Oh? Were you there the day they decided to investigate that character's van? Um, and I passed a note to Bob saying I wired the van with C4. 
and I'm not sure because it's been like twenty years. <laughs> it has been. It was. It was. It was the. It was one of my 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 favorite moments. Is because the fact that Bob decided I'd also left a warning, which I didn't tell him. Mm. So a guy crawls into the driver's seat, pulls down the sunshade, finds the keys, and a sign that says "Boom, you're dead." As he takes the keys, put them into the ignition, and mimes turning. Was that Izzy? That was Izzy. Yes. Oh my gosh! I think I was there. <laughs> and then um, Jim, who was playing a solo, is in the back going, "No, wait, don't!" <laughs> but it was too late. He had mime turning the ignition. <laughs> and he went boom. Oh, he went boom. Jim went boom. I think Jim survived, but barely, only because he was a Gemini Borg. <laughs> it's, um, it's too bad he didn't have as much luck as the guys in Casino. <laughs> but, yeah. His, his car caught on fire and he climbed out. <laughs> and there was nothing Trauma Team could do to fix Izzy's character. Aw. Yeah, he was ground zero of the explosion. He was in tiny bits. Yeah. And I think it was like two, session, two sessions later in my own game that one of my other players tried to catch a lit stick of dynamite with their bare hands. <laughs> oh my gosh. If you, if you actually catch it, you immediately throw it back, idiot. <laughs> oh no, this is... Oh yeah, they caught it. <laughs> and then they went boom. Did they get the explosion too? <laughs> What's that? Did they get it... the explosion too? Oh yeah. So did the ordinance they were carrying on their back. Oh, okay. Well, it reminds me of that whole the old Puffin Forest thing, which is true about most people. There's always that one person who's completely loaded with explosives. So as soon as he throws it and there's a malfunction, boom, down he goes and everyone else with him. Be that to a warning, that's, any, that's anyone that's in a cyberpunk game I run. If you do something fatally stupid, I am not going to sugarcoat it. You <laughs> yeah. are going to die in tiny but chunks. If the dice yeah, you die, there might be a chance. If you do stupid and, and cause your own death, yeah, good luck. Mm -hmm. That's why I like playing yeah. smart characters like a Netrunner. Normally they don't do stupid shit. They're smarter than that. Nice. Now if the dice you die like three, four times, yeah, it doesn't matter how smart you're playing, you're dead. May no, I normally the it? words, are you sure, come out of my mouth to verify things a lot in games. Oh, I'm not that. a killer DM, but I sometimes have suicidal players. She goes, players. I reach up and I catch the red stick. I'm like, are you sure about that? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes. Okay. Are you wearing these giant fluffy gloves? Can you, nope. like, stop the, the force not going boom? If a game master or dungeon master ever asks if a player is sure, the answer is no. Saying are you sure is meaning you are failing your stupid check right now. Rethink your action and try again. Sometimes I'll do it in order to cause players to double think something where they're really worried about everything. So I'll say that to them just to mess with them. But, uh, most of the time, I'll, I will give it for good reason. Like my favorite was you were mentioning catching the catching the dynamite. I had a mm -hmm. player who tried to shoot it with his revolver. Oh my gosh! As it was being thrown at him, he's like, "Okay, well, I'll pull out my revolver and shoot it." And like, all right, it, I think it was a uh, dead dead west or weird west. It was 
one of those games where you have the speed to control your firearm. It like takes so many actions, and he was a crack shot, so he pulled it out and then blew up. He shot the dynamite, but the guy threw the dynamite from about 10 feet away. Oof. By the time he yeah. reacted to shoot the dynamite, it was directly next to his face. So he blew yeah. up himself. This was kind of a Mad Max thing, so it was being actually dropped from a helicopter above. Ah. And, That's yeah. a long drop. Well, it, it was more of the whirly gig thing from Mad Max kind of thing. Oh, that's good. I like that one. Yeah. Uh, may, may I also make a, uh, a point that 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 the whole uh, scenario of, like, uh, be careful about carrying a whole bunch of ordnance uh, because wrong, one wrong move and your whole party's dead. Um that, that reminds me of a comment. I think it was from KOTOR, Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic 1 or Knights of the Old Republic 2. And uh, where you can, one of the, uh, one of your companions, uh, you can basically go to them and have them make you grenades. And one of the comments that that is said by this companion, it's KOTOR 2. And it, you can only get the companion that gives you the grenades if you're a light side, um, so uh, the this companion will say like, okay, when, uh, just make sure that you know, you know that one wrong, uh, one stray blaster bolt to uh, your grenade belt, and boom, and basically saying, yeah, be careful. Which actually well, reminds me of... Uh, you ever seen Raising Arizona? Yes. I have. You know what I'm talking Negative about. Negative here. If you Best haven't seen it, there's this, one, movie. there's this one bit um, in the movie where um, this big bad guy has all these grenades strapped to him and he wants uh, the baby and Nicolas Cage's character is trying to crawl away from him backing away, lying on the ground, and he's holding his hands up to protect himself, and then from between his fingers, you see a little um, thing like a paperclip, a little um, thin metal thing just swing out, and it looks like it's attached to a ring around one of his fingers, and that's when the big bad guy with all the grenades attached to him starts to frantically grab at, one, at, at the grenades, trying to figure out which one had the pin pulled. Mm-hmm. Once you pull the pin, Mr. Grenade is no longer your friend. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, alternatively, um, now where can I... Uh, we don't have a media channel, do we? Not in this chat, no. Uh, yet. <laughs> One could be created very shortly. Give it about ten seconds or so. I'm not going to make one. Excuse me. Let me see here. Media. Because I've got a picture that <laughs> I think you guys will enjoy. Uh-oh. <laughs> Is it related to Cyberpunk? Uh, it's related uh, tangentially to the Topic topic of explosions. Uh. Uh. I think I'll take um, a flavored cigarette and leave. Now, there. Now, I have a question since you guys were mentioning the uh, 
uh, Cyberpunk the game itself, I've never actually managed to deal much with the original game outside of like the GURPS adaptation of it. I think that was first or second edition GURPS. It was the one in 88, uh, sorry, mm-hmm. 90, 91. It was like, I think it was around that time period. Because I have it at my home. I think it's 92 when it actually came out. It was going to come out in 91, but the FBI actually seized all of their computers thinking that they were uh, training hackers and people had a hack. That, that, so they actually that's what I was the whole thing. About. That, that was the thing that I heard about. Yeah, See, I've I never heard that, that Oh, I'll, I could tell that story. Uh, I didn't realize if y'all already talked about it. I figured y'all had because I was coming in late enough. So We briefly touched um, on GURPS, but that was about it. Yeah, well... Uh, One of the things about GURPS Cyberpunk is that they were studying a lot of what computers could do so they could get a more realistic interpretation of it, because it is different from the Cyberpunk game in many different ways. That's the same concept behind it. You know, you actually actually might want to save that one, because Cyberpunk GURPS is actually its own on the schedule. Yes, it is. Oh, it is? It's on the schedule? Yeah. It is on the schedule. Oh, okay. Uh, fair enough. I already have the story pulled up, but I guess I will wait on that one. So if you yeah, want wait. to know about Cyberpunk GURPS, then stay tuned. That's coming soon. Just a few months. There, I, put, I, saved, I saved the bookmark. <laughs> okay. Hopefully, hopefully I still have this phone in, that, in those months. <laughs> okay. Otherwise, I'll have to go find it again. Because there was something else I wanted to touch upon briefly, and that was <laughs> Cyber Generation. Mm. I don't know that one. That was a book that came out in the in the Cyberpunk 2020 bit that was originally going to be what Cyberpunk was going to turn into. Disclaimer, um, we did not name ourselves after that. We just came up with the name randomly. Yes. Continue. Uh, it was well, we're in a generation where Cyberpunk's very relevant, so I think it's a good name. It was um <laughs> It was a source book set sent, uh, seven years after the 2020 setting in which the corporations had basically won. They had replaced the government. Um, and kids were being born with powers and being basically led by Raish Bartmoss into a revolution. So almost like Red. Almost. Was <laughs> <sighs> that... Is that what Red's doing now? I haven't actually looked at no, it. That's not quite. No, not there, quite. There's no powers in Red unless you count cyber arms as powers. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Bart Moss is definitely is 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 not around in Red. They still say to they still stayed away from psychics, right? I'm not sure mm. what all the power. It almost was like cyberpunk meets superheroes. Oh, but people were okay. kind of like you know that you're losing your cyberpunk. So they shifted it so off being like, an alternate, alternate continuity. So a, so a bit like Brave New Worlds, that game. I don't know that one. Where it's a, you don't know that one. Oh, okay. Ba- yeah. Basically, it's one where there's uh, corporations have taken over and are trying to determine every little bit of society, and there's a huge resistance against it, which is very punk in the way that it's handled in there. But there are powers starting to show up, and they actually have a bunch of separate books about superpowers. Is that yeah, part sound, of the Brave New World? It sounds like the exact same thing. Hmm. Yeah, well, that's why I was saying it. I mean, Mutants and Masterminds it, also did that a little bit, but only setting-dependent. It almost sounds like a cyberpunk version of X-Men. <laughs> kind of. 
Kind of. If, if, that's, if that's you make Ray Smart Moss the the major the major net hacker of the cyberpunk setting and turn him into Professor X. What is he like? Is he almost like Cerebro, where he's like predicting things and communicating across the world? Because he is a hacker, so it makes sense. Hmm. I wasn't that big on the cyber generation setting. I mean, I read it a little bit and went, eh, not my style. Which is, I think, what everybody did. But that was fair enough. That was There's... the that was the first failure at trying to continue the cyberpunk storyline. The second where, where one, of course, separate... being... The second Weren't one there, being like, the... separate. Separate. Oh, okay. uh, well, I was going to say there's the, there's the books that came out that had really weird art that were for cyberpunk uh, in the '90s. I still have um, a few of the PDF copies on my on my computer. Were those like the ones from I, from like ICE games and stuff? I think so. It was the one with the dolls in it. It was the really uh, weird one. Because the yeah, looked that, through that was like what? <laughs> that was that was a third party company that licensed the setting to make their own books. Ah, uh, okay. Because I, I was so confused by that. I'm like, this is the official one? What? No, that was <laughs> Iron Crown Enterprises. They made a whole bunch of third party stories and settings. They they also combined cyberpunk with like vampire, and had a a cyber yes. horror setting. Oh, I yeah, see, I yeah, saw that I had one. that PDF. I have a PDF on my computer for that. Um, I Generally, I'm the kind of guy that if there's a if there's an RPG out there, I will at least want to look at it so I can see if there's anything to salvage before I delete the file. Or I'll keep it around if I feel like there's something worthwhile. I think I still have that one, so I must have seen something in it. Um, but I never played it. Nor did I yeah. see an Ariston playing whatever. We we got it because we rescued a whole bunch of those modules and stuff from the bargain bin at our local gaming store. And I probably still have them on a shelf somewhere. The one I have um, is called World of Future Darkness. That wasn't what it was called, Barry. That was not the official one anyway. Okay, because I have one that's called that. <laughs> but, um... No, the second big failure, of course, was Cyberpunk version 3, which I mentioned earlier. Mm. Um, I must have which, missed that one. It came out around 2005. Um, it had been in development since before 1996. Um, the thing is, by the time it got done, um, Pondsmith had really embraced transhumanism as the way to go in the game, but he did it so much that it lost its cyberpunk feel and just became a transhumanism game. Ah, hmm. uh, okay. So it's kind of like the human revolution, uh, Deus Ex kind of style, where it just goes super transhumanism all the time instead of, you know, what Deus Ex was actually about in the original? Mm-hmm. He kind of threw out the baby with the bathwater. It didn't... The, the setting didn't feel cyberpunk anymore. Mm. It was like, there was no cyberware, only bioware. And I'm like... Well, what's cyberpunk about that? You know, which reminds me, did y'all already talk that game? Because I realized I didn't check the schedule. Which game? Deus Ex. I have no, no we idea. Haven't. Well, I know what to add. Of course we have to have Deus Ex. We will That's have Deus Ex cyberpunk. Mm -hmm. But, yeah. Also, I just completely forgot about that. Sorry, go ahead. Also, at the same time, Pondsmith had been embracing... Uh, a new system to do stuff called fusion, 
which he had originally um, shown up with the Bubblegum Crisis RPG. Um, and I didn't like it as much, and neither did Bob, because it was a little more um, fussy than Interlock. Mm. And so he came out with version 3 for Fusion, and we're just like, eh. And then the final killer of the version 3 coffin was the artwork in the book was basically made with dolls. I, I will say this, that uh, things like the uh, the transhumanism of the Deus Ex series kind of thing is very closely related to the cyberpunk uh, kind of thing. It's I, I, I'm not saying it's not, but... He had gone so far into it that the the elements of cyberpunk that had made cyberpunk 2020, um, that everyone loved about 2020, weren't there anymore. There's there's a term called punk that was probably noticeably missing. And you know, it's like like I said, if you looked in the book, there was no cyberware anymore. It was all Bioware, and that bothered people. Oh my gosh, so it would be like Shadowrun coming out with no Bioware, or only Bioware in a book. Correct. So what's dermal plating? We don't know what dermal plating is. What? Mm-hmm. How can you forget what dermal plating is? <laughs> yep. That was the kind of thing that it, that it felt like, and all, like I said, all the artwork was essentially done with, like, Stretch Armstrongs. So, none of it looked nice. Whoa, I don't know what that is, but they need to meet that. Um, yeah, I just—I didn't realize it was going to come through that loud. Whoops. Um. But so everybody hated this, which is why Cyberpunk Red completely ignores version three. Oh, it's it turns it's been turned into another alternate timeline. Guys, it is just, time for plugs. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh wow. Oh, it's not I told you part two next week. I, I told you we would need another session for this. <laughs> we will do a part two next week. Well, we it is continue. kind of the name of the it's kind of the name of the podcast that we're talking about, so I understand. <laughs> <laughs> okay, who wants to start? I guess I will. If you like what I'm saying, you want to hear more of my voice and such, uh, I. I have a uh, YouTube channel called Melody's Place. I post mainly, actually completely, uh, Minecraft content. So No need to sound so depressed about it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I'm, I'm having a tired day. Fair enough. And who's next? Uh, Barry. I, I, okay. you, I was gonna say. Uh, if you want to go, go next, and then me, fine, I'm fine with that. Go on, Mathadar, you go. Well, I, I'm Mathadar. I, you pretty much can only hear me in these podcasts at the moment. Uh, my YouTube channel is not very active. I don't use social media very often at all because I think it's probably the bane of existence. <laughs> I can but, attest to that. 
Um, but uh, otherwise, if you want to contact me, I'm sure you can get a hold of me through someone else. Uh, just they'll let me know, and I can go through. <laughs> I don't really have an easy way to contact me outside my email, and I'm not giving that out on the podcast. Mm. So. Go ahead, Barry. All right. Um, if you want more of me, you can catch me uh, in um, streams on Twitch with Randy, also present here, along with uh, some other people. And you can also find more of me on YouTube, Twitch, and Twitter under the username you see on the screen here. And if you're, if you're only listening, it's spelled K-H-Z-H-A-K. And my pinned tweet on Twitter links to adult content. If you don't want it, don't click the links there. I don't host a, I don't uh, stream anything myself on Twitch, but I do host other channels, um, either stuff I'm directly involved in or stuff that I'm dealing with my friends with, and also uh, my YouTube channel links to other uh, channels like channels that have D&D games I'm in or podcasts like this, which now that there's a dedicated channel for it, I'm not uploading it to my channel anymore. You can find that. Um at the Generation Cyberpunk podcast, uh, uh, not podcast, just the Generation Cyberpunk YouTube channel. Um, there should be a link somewhere. Um, if you're listening to this from one of our official channels, if you're not, then uh, glad you found us. Who's next? Go ahead, Randy, our guest right. this evening. All right, I am Randy Ronson McCulloch, and while I don't make content myself, you can catch me at the Noontime Lounge Lead streams where we play Borderlands and Phasmophobia, and Sunday nights where we play Lotro. Uh, you can also catch me Wednesday nights at 10 p.m. on an Unearthly Podcast where we talk about all things Doctor Who from news and review an episode or two. And I think that's it. Lupus? Would you like to finish off? Sure. So we are part of FML Productions Group. We also do a Thanks for Nothing podcast every Sunday. Although that very rarely gets uploaded to YouTube because the person that records those doesn't always upload them. Um, doesn't always do a lot of much. <laughs> yeah. Um, we Mike, do have a... We love you. Yes. We do have a Twitter. It's at Gen Cyberpunk Pod. We have a, as Barry said, iHeartRadio. We have an RSS.com um, site. And then we also have, um, oh, an email, which is Generation Cyberpunk Podcast at gmail.com. If you guys want to get in touch with, the podcast directly i will be reading over those emails and replying as soon as i can um well otherwise i guess we'll be back here Oop. i guess i guess yes. we'll be back here at some point later on to condense more facts from the vapor of nuance yes we will be with uh, we will continue this topic next week uh, so if you're watching this as soon as it goes up next week, you can watch the second half. If you're watching this and it's a few weeks after or months after, or <laughs> even years after, um, we're well past that and that part's already probably up. And if you skip the ending <laughs> here, I don't blame you. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, until then... 
We will see you later, cyberpunks. <laughs> bye bye, keep the code clean.